0: Voyage. Where are we going? This way. Over here. Come on.
1: The whole thing felt like a setup. Right out of the cartel playbook. Get somebody close to you. Someone you trust. The closer the better. What? What's the matter with you? Ramon ordered you to? How? You'd tell me, right? Give me a heads up, a chance to get away?
0: Of course I would. Somos hermanos. What is this, brother? Because something ain't right. Like I said, I need to show you something. Just so you know, this wasn't my idea. Inside a hidden compartment in the back were three black duffel bags. What is that? 300 keys. Ramon wants you to take it to Bellingham. From there, someone else will take it across to Vancouver. He also told me to give you this. 5K. He said there's more coming, but he wanted you to know he's extremely grateful for you doing your time like a pro. Tell Ramon I appreciate the generosity, but I'm in
1: a different place in my life. They just gave me my own parish, Antonio. I got people who need me, count on me. Plus, I got the antique store, and Randy's opened up a thrift shop- Tell him
0: yourself, man. I'm just a messenger. Listen, I know you got the whole praise Jesus thing going on. Just Think of it like Ramon's a patron saint, and you're giving patronage.
1: Just like that, the cartel expected me to get back to work. Like I'd been on a six-year vacation. Ramon wanted me to reestablish the routes and connections through the Pacific Northwest he'd lost when I went to prison. I didn't exactly have a choice. To refuse would likely mean my death. So, I got back to work. Randy was furious. Getting clean helped her forge her own path toward God, and she opened up a thrift shop, Randy's attic. She questioned how I could serve God and the cartel. The truth is, so did I. Knowing how she felt about me venturing south of the border, I promised I was only receiving and running shipments stateside, just one of the lies I was now living. Leading a dual life wasn't a problem when I was all in. But now I was struggling to find the balance between the two halves of my existence. I hated coming up with excuses to explain my frequent trips out of town. Meanwhile, the work I was doing brought the ravages of narcotics to my door in ways I'd never considered during the good years. There can be no judgment in helping an addict. They need to know that they're loved, that they're worth something. Even as I was devising a way to get myself out of the business, the DEA was looking to do the same operation Northern exposure was a task force set up to thwart the trafficking of narcotics through the Pacific Northwest corridor their central target known only by a blurry surveillance photo in the alias El Zorro aka The Fox aka me as if I didn't have enough problems the walls were closing in again I had to get out I hadn't studied finance like Ramon but I could speak his language i offered to buy myself out for two million i'd like to say i was surprised he accepted but such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain takes away the life of its possessors and i wanted my life back took me eight months i agreed to deliver the final payment in person if i was exiting this life for good i wanted to do it right so once more to mexico last supper. No senoritas, just Ramon and a few of his guys. And lots of tequila. Ramon was in a rare form.
2: Whenever I needed someone scared into submission, or worse, I would send Hal to have a talk with him. I'm telling you, he could scare the devil himself. Five minutes with Hal, and the guy to be pissing himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I used to call him the Urinator. <laughs> <laughs> One time, there was this guy. Uh, where was he from? Bakersfield. Bakersfield. So this maricon, he gets, he gets so worked up, he throws up all over himself. AND THEN HE PIECES HIMSELF! <laughs> of course. This was back before Hal became... a man of God. <laughs> you work with the sick too, right? Hospice. Yeah. Maybe you just have a thing for the smell of urine. (laughs) I'm joking with you, amigo. We will miss you. Salud.
1: Muchas gracias, mi amigo mexicano. Something felt off. I didn't know if Ramon was mad at me for my exit or at God for having inspired it. I needed to know. So the next morning, as I was preparing to head home...
2: I hope you slept well, my friend. Definitely.
1: Listen, what you said last night about me being a man of God, that really is who I am now. And I think you know me well enough to understand that. Of course.
2: In fact, I'm something of a religious man myself. How familiar are you with Galatians? God shall not be mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There's something I want to show you. What about the plane? I own the plane. Come on. those perezosos hijo de puta are probably still packing the load. I followed him down a winding
1: path toward the far end of the property. I heard the dogs before I could see them, inside an oversized doghouse connected to a fenced in area where a man was kneeling with his hands tied behind his back. I recognized him as one of the guys who had dined with us the night
2: before. Carlos has been with me. a long time. Which makes this situation all the more unfortunate. What did he do? He betrayed me. Oh, what do you think should happen to a man who betrays someone who has great trust in him? Someone he has given his word to? I don't know. Old Testament, eh? Eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth. Life for life.
1: I watched as three of the biggest Rottweilers I'd ever seen torn into Carlos so fast
2: he barely had time to scream. Thank you for being true to your word, amigo. Good luck with your last load. I wish you all the best in the uh, antique business. Vaya con Dios, Carlos.
1: Hasta la vista, Ramon. A few nights later, I was back in Seattle, in an empty mall parking lot with Antonio, waiting to collect on the last load. I was anxious. All I wanted was to put that part of my life
0: behind me. Those fucking dogs. Poor Carlos. Jesus. I mean, sorry. Ramon is crazy, man. You're lucky he's letting you go. Freedom doesn't come cheap. I'm serious. You're getting out at the right time. You ever think about it? What? Retiring? The hell else am I gonna do? Find some girl, settle down? Pump out a few kids? Get fat, get old? Nah, bro. Not for me. Could always come work with me down at the shelter. Plenty to do. No offense, but if this is gonna turn into a come to Jesus thing, you know I respect you, but I think that ship sailed for me. Took me 36 years to find God and Randy. So you're saying there's still hope for me? <laughs> Always. Huh. Shit. That them? No lights. It's them. Let's do this. There were two of them.
1: Big boys, from the looks of it. One of them exited the truck and came toward us. I kept my eye on the truck as the passenger window itched down.
0: Nice night, huh? Where's the green?
1: I saw a glint of something out of the window and drew my piece just as- Ramon sends his greetings from Culiacan. He said to tell you, enjoy your fucking retirement. Ah, ah shit. Stay down, man. Ah! Got you, mother- In a matter of seconds, the two goons hired to take me out were dead. Antonio had a hole in his leg and I was still holding 200 keys of blow the rain was coming down hard as i drove antonio to the only place i could think of a pill mill across town run by a guy i only knew as dr feelgood's gonna fix you up real good hermano hang in there
0: nobody leaves
1: after helping the doc yank the bullet out of antonio i left him to recuperate and headed home all i could think about was ramon we had a deal The one thing my whole life I'd never been able to abide is a liar. Ramon chose to bring God into this. I would choose to listen to his wisdom. Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time for the day of their calamity is at hand and the things to come hasten upon them. I decided that for the moment I would choose the path of reason. Now all I had to do was explain my decision to Randy. I really thought it was over.
3: I believe you. But you made a commitment to me. And to God. The truth, how?
1: The truth is, there's a problem. But I'm going to fix it. How? I'm going to talk to Ramon.
3: I'm sure that will go just great.
1: Listen, I know you're scared. You're
3: damn right I'm scared. He
1: won't touch you. Wives and children are off limits.
3: What is that, some kind of macho gangster code bullshit?
1: This is between me and him.
3: Right. So you're just going to talk to him, and then everything will be okay. You think I don't read the papers, watch the news? The only language these cartels, these criminals, understand is violence.
1: I need you to trust me.
3: What? Why does it even matter?
1: Do you trust me?
3: You know I do.
1: I will work this out with Ramon.
3: So now you're a martyr? Randy! Behold the mighty Christian throwing himself to the lions! I love you, but you are one man, Hal. One man. And they will tear you apart.
1: No, they won't. You know what the DEA calls me? El Zorro. You know what that means? The Fox. If I go after them, it'll be like the Fox getting into the hen house. I'm the Fox. And Ramon and all those people, they're the hens. Next day, I went back to Dr. Feelgood's. Antonio was asleep, shot full of enough morphine to take down an elephant. Gave the doc a grand for his troubles. Then, having chewed over what I was gonna say long enough, I reached out to Ramon.
2: You still have my 200 keys? Tried to deliver them. And left two dead bodies. We had a deal. That money was already mine. How do you figure? The product you transport is mine. I have to pay the Colombians for it up front, and they don't accept credit. I think we're even now, except for the 200 keys.
1: All I want is out. You
2: know that. The only way out, Pastor Harold, is through the grave. Is that what this is about? Me becoming a pastor? Doesn't the Bible say that no man can serve two masters? Or he will hate one and love the other? that you cannot serve God and Mammon. Matthew 6, 24. I'm Mammon. And you work for me, not God. Alright.
1: In that moment, I realized what I wanted and needed to do. His name was Agent Mike Scott, and he was heading up the DEA task force dedicated to finding me. I made it my business to find him. I heard you've been looking for me. Do I know you? My name is Hal Bradley, but you guys call me El Zorro.
4: You can keep that holster. I'm just here to talk. About what? A deal. Look, if you're looking to surrender, I can arrange a meeting with the U.S. Attorney. After, I book you. I said deal, not surrender.
1: I want to work with you, Mike. Is it okay if I call you Mike? <laughs> the task force you run. Operation Northern
4: Exposure. Hold up. How do you know about that? And how the hell did you know where to find me? I'll tell you everything you want to know, on one condition. I uh, don't do conditions. All I ask is you listen to my proposal. (sighs) Fine.
1: I told him about the army, about my training in counterintelligence, and surveillance and counter-surveillance, recruiting sources and snitches.
4: So, you've been spying on us? Fair is fair, right? We're the government. It's our job to spy on people like you. Listen, if you're telling me you've got dirty cops on your payroll- Let's talk about that later. No. I want to talk about it now. Your task force is targeting my operation in the Pacific Northwest.
1: But what I'm offering you is something bigger. Much bigger. And all I have to do
4: is leave your operation alone.
1: Right? Take that too. Take everything.
4: Give me a name. Give me a deal. Doesn't work that way. I need a name to take back to my bosses. Because as of right now, you're our prime target. Ramon Garcia. Bullshit. You know him? For years. And... Why would you give him up? He made a promise, and he broke it. Simple as
1: that, huh? Not simple. Not simple at all. Look, I'm assigned to Seattle, not Mexico. I built Ramon's entire Pacific network, and I can give it all to you. Names, routes, schedules, stash locations, and dirty cops. We can dismantle it piece by piece. We? I'll go undercover set up the deals, line up the targets, then you knock him down. Until Ramon has no choice but to come up here himself and try and fix it. And you think
4: he'll come across the border? I know he will. And what do you want? To be a free man, and a better one. How do I know you can deliver any of this? That you're not just yanking my chain to distract me from my real mission, which is to put you behind bars. What's the biggest seizure you've ever made up here? I don't know, this ain't the border. We don't get huge shipments up here. Just the steady flow. 100 keys. U.S. Customs, three years ago at SeaTac. And that was pure
1: luck. A nosy inspector at the right place at the right time. Other than that, the biggest seizure in the whole state of Washington was 40 keys. What's your point? You're getting big shipments. You just don't know about them. Oh, trust me. I would
4: know. Let me show you something. What? Outside. Please tell me. You don't have a dead body in your trunk. Better than that. Holy shit. How much? 200
1: keys. Worth five and a half million. And that's just one shipment. Ramon sends at least four shipments just like it every month. You've got to be kidding me. Do we have a deal? I knew he'd been with the DA almost 10 years. I knew he was more dedicated to the task force than his marriage because he'd recently moved into a motel. I knew he needed this to work. We both did. The enemy of my enemy. We shook hands. Randy wasn't exactly thrilled, but given the alternative of me taking on the cartel alone, the knowledge I'd be working with the DEA and customs provided some comfort. Plus, I told her I'd be working stateside as opposed to the lion's den, as she referred to it. I wasn't even undercover yet and already the lies had begun but i knew it'd help her sleep even if i couldn't and it was only a matter of time before ramon tried again hell what's going on it's okay baby neighbors called for a tow and the guy backed into my van i gotta go take a look
3: Hmm. please be careful always sorry man i was trying to. i was backing up to try and turn around and where's the damage driver's side back quarter panel yeah where
1: i took my mind's eye off the ball in that instant he struck multiple times prison yard style as i fell to the ground my 38 tumbled into the dark thank the lord for anodized aluminum he reeled then came at me again and again I got in another blow before he got me in a chokehold and rammed his blade through my cranium, right into my brain. He curb stomped me a few times, payback for the flashlight probably, and then drove off. I woke two days later, cuffed to a hospital bed. I learned I'd undergone 11 hours of surgery, fractured jaw, nose, two cracked ribs, partially collapsed lung, and a craniotomy. Ever know anyone who survived a kill order?
4: You looking for a medal or something? Right now, I'd settle for losing the bracelets and the cold beer.
3: Are the handcuffs really necessary?
4: Despite the severity of the injuries your husband sustained in the altercation, it doesn't change the fact that as far as the agency is concerned, he's he's a wanted criminal.
3: Altercation? Let's talk about the real criminals here. Okay, these people have attempted to kill him twice. I want to know how you plan to stop it from happening again. They know where we live. We need protection. You need to put us somewhere. Look,
4: with all due respect, Ms. Bradley, the DEA and DOJ are under no such obligation. Your husband was well aware of the consequences of getting in bed with these people. My head's a little banged up, but I seem to remember we had a deal. Yeah, that was
1: before you nearly died. Not nearly, brother.
4: I was there. What are you saying? There was no pain. Felt peaceful. Safe.
3: You hear that? My husband feels safer dead than alive.
4: Given the circumstances, we'd need to reopen the previous discussion to determine what role you might be able to play moving forward. How about a corpse? How? The guy who hit me left, certain I was dead.
1: So let me be dead. Can't think of a better identity for an undercover operative
4: than a ghost. Can you, Agent Scott? It's... probably best that you take some time to recover. And... Consider your options.
1: It'll take months for all this to heal. So tell them to take a scalpel and carve me a new face while
3: they're at it. He's right, Hal. You need time to think about this, and you and I definitely need to talk about this.
1: What is there to talk about? Far as I'm concerned, nothing's changed. You were going to send me undercover, give me a new identity, right? So if the surgeons could do something... If they could give me a new face... Sure, piece of cake. I mean, there's gotta be guys who've had their face altered when they went into WITSEC, right? Maybe.
4: What have we got to lose? Money, time, you ultimately. When your enemy gives you an advantage, you take it. It's been a minute since Sunday's going on, but I, I, I don't recall that one. On the Bible. That's a fact.
3: You're determined to get yourself killed, aren't you?
4: God told me to put my trust in this man.
1: If he'd meant for me to die, I'd have stayed dead. This is my mission, Randy. He wants me to do this. I need to do this. In the end, Mike convinced his superiors to sign off on killing me. Hal Bradley was dead. There was a quiet funeral and a forged death certificate to prove it. Randy dutifully played the role of grieving widow. Tore me up. He'd signed on for a life with me, but not the life I'd chosen. And not with who I was now choosing to become. As the scars healed, I still felt like the same man, but everything in my life looked different. Randy eventually relocated upstate, and I got on my motorcycle and disappeared.
0: Hola, amigo. It's me, and I am calling you because. because. Because I don't want to believe what I heard. What I read. I tried to get in touch with Randy, but I guess maybe she moved. I don't know. Hoped I'd at least get to hear your voice again, but... You don't even got a message, man. I'm on a ghost line, I guess. Shit. Fucking Ramon. Lo siento, mi hermano. Lo siento, lo siento, lo siento. We had many good times together, you and me. I guess this is goodbye for now. I will keep a cold one on ice for you, and you do the same for me. I'll see you on down the road, hermano.
1: It wasn't leaving that life that was so hard. It was leaving the people in it bishop clifford and his wife althea who believed in me guided me helped me find my place after my incarceration my parish the folks at the shelter antonio greed ramon's greed was the reason i was dead reborn my goal was to see this greed bring about his own destruction Months later, thanks to surgery and a couple key introductions by Agent Gennaro, a deep undercover who could confirm my credentials, I re-emerged a prime mover known as Patrick Kelly. Getting money out of the DEA coffers was a constant battle, but I knew how to put it to good use. That and a fair amount of previously seized high-end product allowed me to carry enough weight across the Midwest that I became the chief supplier to the Russian Mafia, creating a pipeline in Detroit with prices that continually undercut the competition. Namely, Ramon. I had to move carefully through the world, making sure none of the people I did business with as Pat Kelly had ever done business face to face with Hal Bradley. I kept a place in the Northwest in Yakima and one outside Detroit. As an undercover operative, I went wherever Agent Scott sent me. Sometimes it was just to gather intelligence, part of a larger investigation. A bywalk walk where drugs and money are exchanged but no arrest is made. Or sometimes a by bust out of some motel. I get arrested along with everyone, then let go and debriefed offside. The rush I experienced doing this work was altogether different than what I'd experienced as a smuggler. I'd survived so many scenarios, and yet each time I entered some motel room or the backseat of a car, the thought occurred to me, maybe this is the one. Spring of 93, a source i developed recommended me to a guy who claimed to be connected to a cartel in Baja. I had to reel him in slowly, until I got the go-ahead to make a deal. Finally, we were to meet in a hotel room outside Ann Arbor. I showed him the money, sampled his product. I didn't recognize who the guys were he was connected to, but they definitely had a good product. Then we went outside and I showed him the three million in bundled bills I had in the trunk of my car. So now what? You snap your fingers and it starts snowing? Six weeks to put this deal together, now you're Mr. Impatient. A few minutes later, a beat-up sedan pulled in, circled, then parked on the far end of the lot. I followed the dealer who got in the passenger side. The driver glared from behind his aviators as I climbed into the back seat. Nice car. Nice mullet. You you guy This your laundry back here? Sure smells like it. Just count up. Smartass. Well. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. The fuck you say? I'd given the signal for the DEA team listening in via my mic to move in for the arrest. But the dealer realized something was up. He went for his gun. I went for the door. The driver went for the locks, and I was trapped. I
2: kill you, motherfucker.
3: The Lion's Den is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, Dan Benamore, and Garrick Dion. Executive produced by Dr. Hal Bradley and Victor Mohica. Written and directed by Garrick Dion. Based on the pilot by Chuck Hussmeyer and the book A Fox in the Lion's Den by Dr. Hal Bradley. You can find the book and all of Dr. Hal Bradley's books at drhalbradley.com or on Amazon. Links are in the show notes. Starring Matt Horn as Hal. Additional cast credits available in the show notes. Edited, sound design, and mixed by Nick Missitti. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes.